1: t t t t t t t yeah, this is yeah, nice. uh, yeah, 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 a yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, 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 you <laughs> hoo ho pa 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 you're the only, 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 <laughs>
1: oh, you know, sometimes you start that, you never can quit. Did you recognize that? You slobs. You, you guys, you just... You you absolutely listen carefully to it again. No? Play it at the regular speed, Nicholas, and listen carefully to it and tell me do you recognize it? One, two, three.
2: Go on. Now listen <laughs> now, listen carefully. <laughs> there
1: you go. My God, you finally got it. Thank you. Thank you. That's the Jersey version of my theme. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> reset that there, Nick. <laughs> You know, it's terrible. I just just terrible. That one uh, well, of the worst uh piece of music I ever heard in my life, but that that actually is is the Jersey version of my theme, you know, it's a the real foot stomping polka, guys sitting around swigging, swigging down the Schaefer and yelling and hollering. And that uh that, uh, that that's what it is. Did you did you recognize it, Nick? After I—I to- tell you, of course. La, ta-da-ta-ta, ta-da-ta, ta-da-ta-ta. You notice I handle that uh, Polish polka stuff real great? Well, I'm going to give you... I shouldn't really bring this stuff up at this point, because right now I might say this, Nick, I'm gaining a foothold in the official world. its uh, You know, I'm clinging on the edge of the cliff. But gaining a foothold. As a matter of fact, I'm walking along 48th Street today, or uh, actually walking on 5th Avenue, And, you know, at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 48th Street, there's a fantastic Brentano's bookshop there. Well, whose book do you think is piled up right next to the Greek columns? That's right. Ferrari in the bedroom right next to uh, Jonathan Livingston. Uh, What the hell is that uh, damn bird? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there I am right there. And uh, me and David Halberstam, all the other official people. So I really shouldn't be doing this polka stuff. Now, I'm going to tell you... A little story about that, though. That this, uh, see, I was clearing out all the crud in my life, just getting rid of it. You know, once in a while, you go through this uh, thing. I hope you do. I mean, I like to think you do, Nick. But we more civilized people, when we, we you know, we occasionally just clear out the crud out of our lives and just throw out all the old receipts you got. You know, stuff that you don't re- even remember buying. You got them all on the bottom of your your uh, drawer, you know, your bureau drawers, and all those old socks you haven't worn for a long time. You know the ones with the tassels on top and all that. And you, you. Th- <laughs> oh, listen, I've got a raincoat that I've been threatening to throw out now ever since I was 12, and, and there's something about the raincoat. I just can't get rid of it. Have you ever had a piece of uh, wearing apparel that on the one hand you hate to put it on because it's so rotten, on the other hand it's got some kind of an emotional pull on you, and you you, you just keep it, and I have a raincoat that, honest to, jo- honest to John, this raincoat looks really like... Well, what it looks like is a compost heap with sleeves. You missed that. I'll repeat it. My raincoat looks like a compost heap with sleeves. And what's worse, the sleeves are torn. (laughs) I mean, it's a compost heap with torn sleeves. And I walk around, and, and somehow I feel right in that rotten thing. It's like Columbo. You ever seen Columbo? You know, Columbo does this duck and shuffle act and all that stuff he does. And uh, somehow that raincoat, and by the way, that raincoat has, I'm sure, among other things that I've had in my life, has always succeeded in creating in the impression of official people who see me in this raincoat that Shepherd is nothing really more nor less than a bum on the verge of, uh, you know, just going all out and being a real bum, you know, sitting around down in the Bowery and hollering and drinking Thunderbird and yelling and, you know, uh, hoping for another quarter to come my way. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, now I'll give you a little story, though, about that uh, that uh, piece of music there, in case you're interested in that story. I, I know you must be, uh, but it does have a history, and and so damn little in our world has a history. So when we do have a little history, might as well talk about it. That one time in my somewhat checkered past, and that was a very desperate uh, uh, six weeks that I spent doing this. I was. Uh, I was roughly a uh, sixteen and a half. I got a summer job as the only uh, <laughs> the only English speaking announcer on a completely foreign radio station. I mean they had it wasn't it wasn't in another country, it was in Chicago, as a matter of fact. But all their broadcasting well that's that's foreign country to many of you, but uh it to us it was home. You know, I mean to the Lower Slobovians, I guess the Lower slobovia is home, you know. You come on, you know. Mm-hmm. Get off my back. I like them schmooze. And uh, nevertheless, uh, I worked at this radio station, see, and it, and it was one of these uh, stations that believed that experience is what makes a man a success. So they, they gave me plenty. of experience. you ever seen that, Jerry? Well, they had gotten one of those someplace, you know, Salvation Army or something, and uh, they had cut the hook off, and the guy soldered a, a, on, the t- on the hook, the, the, the blunt end of the hook, he soldered a screw connection, and our microphone was screwed into that. It was kind of nice. It gave a little, sort of, a little kind of style to it because it had little rays on the base. It had little raised canary birds running around the bottom of it. And uh, it was totally foreign language broadcasting. In fact, our radio station, is, uh, the frequency was interesting. The frequency of this radio station, you know, the point on the dial, was so far down the dial that we used to get interference from the police calls. Uh, yeah well, every once in a while yeah i 'm not kidding there would be interference, <laughs> would break right into the middle of your your newscast, and so people were getting real live news often listening to us,
2: shout my on that diversity right <laughs> at the
1: right in the middle, we didn 't know it at the time, but we were getting the hottest news in town. you know we were getting the the flashes right on the newscast, so we had these we had these great big they were tremendous uh, uh, had been parts. Uh, had been parts bins all around the walls of this room <laughs> where the radio station was, but now each bin had a, a label on it, and they were they were metal bins, and they had like uh, slots where you know where they had kept stuff like uh, cylinder heads were in this one slot, and the uh, pistons were in this slot, uh, uh, exhaust systems were hanging from here. Well, each one of these bins now had a name on it, and the name. Was a different. Uh, well, first one. One slot said the one by the door said Polski. Well, that was all the Polish records were in that. See, and the next, uh, the next uh, one said the Honyak, which meant all the Hungarian records were in this one. See, and 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 these guys would come in, and I don't know where they came from, but they were they were very official-looking guys. Would come in, and they would do their shows. Uh, they they said very little to me or to anybody else around there. Uh, I was the English speaking announcer, so they had nothing to say to me. All I did was occasionally give the station break between the shows and it was my job to introduce them Nick. I would introduce them, so uh it would go like this: see I would come to theme it 's now three thirty in the afternoon, and the theme would come on like this. <laughs> Then I would say in my two hundred and fifty watt announcer voice, I would say, "Your Yoshtedt Kidvana Kidvish Hogatoim.
2: Yoshted
1: Kidvidish Hogatoim. Ya Tasish ein Yosef Sakatesh. I had just introduced Joseph Sakatesh, who would then come on and say, uh uh Thanko Jun. Thank you, Jun. He never could quite you know, get the get the name right. But uh, that was close enough He said, "Thank you, John, Yosh, give on avish which roughly translated means uh, uh, "Good afternoon radio listeners. It is unbelievable fortunate that we are to have you listening to us. And we are now going to lay some commercials and some Polski and some uh, Hungarian uh, <laughs> Hungarian music on you. Well, of course, what happened was that these guys, they, knew, they realized it was making no money. Uh, this, by the way, is W.O.R. New York. Yes, indeed, said, So they realized that I was scratching, see? <laughs> so they would come in every... every. Yeah, Well, you know, it's a, it's a, you, you can't get away from it. Uh, I mean, it will out, friends. And so every day, these guys would come in, and they were great guys, especially said, especially Josef uh, Sakatish. Uh, it was not spelled that way. It was a complex Hungarian name. But uh, Sakatish would come in, every afternoon about five minutes before his show and he always wore white suits. I had never seen this before. Really he wore white suits with the, you know, really white suit. and he was big. He was a huge guy and he had a bald head, very bald and he wore rimless glasses and he looked almost exactly like Sidney Greenstreet. If you can imagine Sidney Greenstreet, you were imagining uh, Cornelius Joseph Sakatich and uh, he would come in and he would, he would always greet me in this indescribable accent and almost impossible to understand uh, language. He would, it was a combination of 75% Hungarian, about probably 20% uh, Czechoslovakian, uh, maybe 3% Polish, and way at the edge of the pie of the language, if you can imagine it a pie, you know, with little slices, was this little tiny bit of pidgin English. And uh, he would come in, and he would go, you and I'd say, Oh, and he would say, Ah, oh, yeah, 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 good and he would point out of the window. I always point out the window, he would point at the sky and he would say in Hungarian, he would go, Ah, which means it's gonna rain which it always was over that radio station. Rain, year in and year out there. And uh, at that point, he would lay on me, because, see, I introduced his show, he would lay on me what he considered, I guess, would be his uh, his tip for doing the show. He would uh, he would give me this big, big... He always came in a basket, see. He, his wife would fix these fantastic Hungarian cookies. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, he'd give me the cookies, see. So I'd, I'd uh, enjoy the cookies. And then the next the next show would be this guy named Kashmir would come on. And uh, Kashmir Wolacek would do the Polish show. Well, he would lay these Polish sausages on me. Uh, and then the Greek guy would come in. Yeah, the Greek guy. We had a Greek guy came in, and uh, the Greek would, yeah, he was named, uh, he had a great name. Uh, and uh, he, would, he would come on, he would give me these, uh, these Greek, uh, you know, this Greek, have you ever had uh, baklava? this uh, Middle Eastern stuff. You're always bringing this baklava. They always bring me food, see? So I would take it back, and I'd sit around, you know, what are you going to do with this? And, and, the back end, and they gave me this little room where I could wait in there while they were doing their shows. I had a little broom closet, see? And I'd sit back there surrounded by all my goodies for the day. And uh, by the, oh, I'd say by 4 o'clock, there was no way I could look at anything to eat. You know, it started out at the crack of dawn, the earliest show we had, which is a really, really early show, Uh, Because apparently these guys got up very early in the morning. There's a certain, you know, there's certain types of people get up like earlier than other people. For example, Viennese people never get up early in the morning. You know, this is a (laughs) this is a very sybaritic crowd, and we actually had a Viennese show on, which came like about nine o'clock at night when they were all up and drinking their coffee with the whipped cream, and uh, you know eating their torts. And uh, so that was that was the, the Viennese show. But the early, who do you think got up earliest in the morning? that they were on like 6 o'clock in the morning and apparently they were all listening. Who was up at that hour? Well, you don't know. Huh? Well, it was the Croatians. Uh, no, the Croatians, for some reason, there's, a, there's an unrest in the Croatian soul uh, which causes Croatians to get up at the crack of dawn. Maybe it's from generations of feeding pigs or something. And so, yeah, they're up at the earliest hour of the morning and the Croatians are calling in. And they used to have request shows. Where these Croatians would call in and request a Croatian piece of music, and he he only had the same records all the time. There's no such thing as the top forty in the in the Croatian world or the Hungarian world. And they keep playing the same records over and over again. They have about 25, maybe thirty records, and guys would call in, and they would charge him for it and so uh, uh, you know you, you, you paid a dollar for a regular request now if it was if you wanted it dedicated for a birthday. It was two dollars and a half. That's the truth. If it was a wedding, it was five dollars. And if it was a wedding, he would also, at that point, he would wish the bride a happy marriage in, uh, in Hungarian or Croatian or whatever the language happened to be. Now, it was my job to sit there and tally all mall down. <laughs> These things, apparently they split with the station. I don't know how it worked. And so uh, this, uh, this was a very uh, very colorful period in, the, in my artistic development of life. And so, one day, Cornelius Sakatish, uh, Joseph Cornelius Sakatish came in, and he's all excited. And uh, he's usually he's usually very placid. You know how uh, how uh, Sydney Greenstreet was. He's uh, always very cool. And uh, he that's the way uh, Cornelius Sakatish was, always cool. But this day, he was all excited. And he says, "Ah, oh, Janos, Janos," he calls me Janos. Ah, well, Janos. Ah, he, he's talking very fast Hungarian. And I said, "What's uh, uh, this?" and uh, he says ah, Janus, ah, he's going like so he's waving his arms and I finally got out of him that I was invited to a banquet that was being given honoring uh, several very prominent members of the Hungarian community and I was invited by the leaders of the Hungarian community and uh, oh he said very good, very good and uh, so I said uh, yeah, okay, when? You know? And, and so he said it's going to be Saturday night and so Saturday night I arrived and uh, at this hall, the Hungarian-American Hall. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I arrived at this hall, see, and, and, and I brought along my buddy. See, I figured, I figured as long as it's going to be a free meal tonight, I might as well bring along Schwartz. See, so the two of us arrived, and we got on our, you know, we're all dressed up with the ties and the bits, and I walk into the hall, and oh, there's Hungarian guys all over the place, big handlebar mustaches and stuff, you know, and the Hungarians have a fantastic as the Hungarians listening will agree with this, the Hungarians have a tremendous zest for living, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, and and uh, even more than that, Hungarian ladies have a zest for living. If you've ever known any Hungarian girls, you've known real women. Uh, this is high-octane, Nick, really all the way. Well, uh, I mean, Hedy Lamarr is as as an example. Yes, I mean, they're magnificent creatures. And they, they all look like uh, Sophia Loren studied under them. You know, oh why? So I walk into the hall, and here they are, and there's a big cheer goes up when I come in. Which Schwartzwitz, what's up? So what are cheering? And I, I realize they're cheering me. I walk in there, and I've got my electric blue sport coat on. Why I should tell you this, you know. And of course, immediately at that point the band, which is sitting over in the corner with their accordions and stuff, they start striking up, see. See, they, they,
2: yeah, the whole thing. See, they
1: play the theme, see. It's the Hungarian-American hour, see. So they start whistling and blowing the horns and all that stuff. And they're cheering like men, and they're pressing this Hungarian wine on me, which, by the way, has a certain primal charm. Uh, You drink three or four gallons of uh, Hungarian wine, and you're not going to have much trouble at night, unless, of course, you hit your head on a curbside or something like that.
2: So <laughs>
1: they're pressing this Hungarian wine. I mean, all this great Hungarian food, and they're running around. You know, they're they're shaking my hand. So the only thing I could think to say, see, I'm up at the speaker's platform by this time, and a band is playing. I look out over the crowd, and I say, Joy
2: shtik, kebab, the time and they cheer. Fantastic. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Well, that night I received an award. I did, uh, I was getting an award, see. And the award was that I, I and Cornelius had done more than anybody at the time, apparently, in forwarding the uh, well-being and the good health of the Hungarian community. And they all thought I could speak Hungarian because I introduced the show in Hungarian, you know, which Cornelius had taught me over a long, very difficult, angry afternoon when the other announcer who had been my predecessor, had left trailing smoke and flames. After a fantastic argument, uh, he finally went in the station and said, look, I've been here nine years, and I think it's time I got paid. And, of course, that was uh, absolutely uh, the worst thing he could have said. And he was thrown out on his ear. And uh, they even took his, you know, the stuff they had, had, the things they had lent him, like uh, they lent him a a hot plate. And uh, they took his hot plate back. Uh, you know where you could cook your your Heinz uh, Campbell's Heinz uh, and Campbell's pork and beans, which you lived on. So uh, they took his hot plate away. And he ran out into the street. I remember that announcer Ed, and that was how I got my job. So uh, I had to learn nine introductions. There were nine languages on the station, and I had to learn nine introductions. And since that was all I did on the station, I learned them well, and uh, I still know all nine of them. And some nights. When I'm when I'm really feeling in uh, you know really feeling in the groove here tonight, some night uh, Jerry or, or Nick you can you can prevail upon me to give nine different introductions to nine languages. What nine were they? Let's see if you know. All right, you already know Hungarian, and you know the Polish. I had the Polish thing. What else? Greek, yeah, there was a Greek one. What else? Croatian, of course. We opened the station with Croatian, and uh, that was uh, always exciting. I would play the Star Spangled Banner. And believe it or not, they had a Croatian version of it. Have you ever heard anything like that? That's right. We played uh, in the morning. They played the Star Spangled Banner, and uh, there was a band playing it, and there were Croatians singing the Star Spangled Banner. So, <laughs> I, all right, now you got it. You got Croatian, you got you got Greek, you got Hungarian, you got Czechoslovakian. What else? Come on. Come on. What? Polish, that's right. What else? Ukrainian, of course. And, and if you do a Ukrainian hour, you cannot get away with doing a Ukrainian hour without having a Lithuanian hour, because at which point if you did, did that, you would have a riot on your hands. So we did a Lithuanian hour. And <laughs> all right, go ahead. And while you're thinking about that, this is Shepard introducing the House of Chan commercial, which is uh, an elegant Chinese restaurant here in town and i would like to recommend it highly it's the 52nd and 7th avenues and uh, i'm not going to you know i'm not going to ask you to go in and uh, order your food in the in an elegant uh, mandarin dialect as might embarrass some of the waiters down there who only speak low cantonese however uh, the food is elegant and you'll enjoy it and if you're going to a theater that night make sure that uh, you tell them that uh, the word the chinese word for theater is hanga you say that to the waiter by the way, the, the the heavy set one with the fancy ties is named Stanley. Actually, uh, that's the Chinese Stanley, which is S T C H N L E E. is actually the way it's pronounced. So the food is good, the people are elegant, and uh, they've been there for 35 years. And if they can make it for 35 years at 52nd and 7th Avenue, they got to be good. That's a tough neighborhood, man. For any place to survive, unless it's great, right? 52nd and 7th, it's a big time Food is great, they're open 7 days a week till midnight We have another commercial here You're still trying to think of the other languages (laughs) Hey, you know, it's funny about that I, I, uh, after working with these guys all that summer it was such a sweat box and such a hot place to work Uh, That reminds me, by the way I'm going to be on Long Jine Show tonight (laughs) <laughs> oh no, John! I'm uh, making no inference there, but I am. So if you want to stay up late, uh, John and I are going to do what they call cut up a pot. We'll slice up a little rhubarb. And, uh, what does he say? Doesn't he use that phrase? What does he Call it. Yeah, cut up a jackpot. That's it. But uh, nevertheless, uh, these languages got to got into your. You know that you can learn languages. I'm serious, Nick. Have you have you ever tried to learn a foreign language? What uh, did you try to learn it in school? I see well, well, you know there's no way to learn a language like hearing it all the time, and uh, it's fascinating how a language all of a sudden becomes very apparent to you. Uh, I used to sit in the, in the control room, and uh, this stuff would pour out at me seven days a week, I mean really, seven days a week. and you know what used to uh, finally got to the point where unknowingly and without even any any uh you know any real conscious effort. Or even any conscious knowledge of it, and and uh, I will hear echoes of it when I go. Like if I go abroad, and I'm sitting in an airplane, and like like one day I had a fascinating experience. I was in a plane that was going to uh, one of the stops it was making was Prague, and there was nobody on this airplane. I was the only American, and there were these people sitting around in front of me and in the back of me in the plane, and we were riding along, and they were talking. They were of course speaking. Czechoslovakian and uh, they assumed that I could not understand Czechoslovakian apparently I have the the map of uh, southern Illinois and northern Indiana printed on my face <laughs> you know <laughs> and I'm sitting back there well I could not understand honestly they were right I could not understand Czechoslovakian but I could get the general drift of it of what they were saying and uh, the only and, and uh, I could hear words once in a while I'd like, pick out you'd, you'd get Key words like look and hear and listen, words like uh uh them, they, words like uh, food, you know, just general words. You you hear these things going on and on. And that, that uh that night though at the at the Hungarian American hall was a fantastic night because these guys had all been drinking Hungarian wine for about an hour before I showed up. You know, they were really feeling great. And uh so I you know, I got right in there. I've never been known to be uh, backward at a party of that type. So I get in the middle of all this. I'm eating the Hungarian food. And every time one of these guys would come up to me and he'd grab my hand, of course, these listeners, see, grab my hand and he would say something very effusive in Hungarian. And he always wind up, Janos, which is the Hungarian gene, believe it or not. He'd say, Janos. And I would laugh and I would say, oh, Joostet Kavanik kid," And he'd laugh, you know, because this is the introduction to the show. It would be like. Uh, <laughs> You know, it would be like Jackie Gleason saying, oh, how sweet it is. You know, and they love it. They recognize this, and they thought that I was just saying this, but I could have said a hell of a lot more if I wanted to. So I left that hall trailing glory. And, uh, (laughs) oh, man. And I also got a fantastic date with a Hungarian girl, which will form the basis of a show which we will tell some night when all the kids are in bed. However, that's another show. But, uh, you know, this... this, uh, Hearing this thing here, this, this polka, uh, it got to the point where I knew every all the various polkas. You know, there's a whole great list of classical polkas that uh, that that the Polish dig and the Hungarians. They, not too much the Hungarians, but they you know that's part of it. But that whole Middle Europa scene and the polka seems to be the basic <laughs> the basic thing that runs through it. Uh, and some of them, some are great. Like, uh, like for example, America the Beautiful polka. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, they, there's this is America the Beautiful. One. Uh, there's there's the uh, Dawn Patrol polka. Have you Ever heard that one? Have you ever heard the Colonel Bogey polka? Yeah, and all these <laughs> all these things they made into polkas. Now the the, the pol yeah the polka that most people know, of course, is very primitive ones like uh, the Beer Barrel polka. Which incidentally is a legitimate polka and was a very big hit many years, apparently long before it became you know a, a pop tune. but uh, they they that was a you know big thing, so I got I got really involved in this stuff, and uh, the the polkas I got to the point where I hated polkas so much because it was all wrapped up with this whole place. It' was hot in there every day, and the guys that were coming into the, to the car place would look in with these dumb looks watching our wind-up turntables going around, and I'd start at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I would wind up late at night, and the sound eternally the sound of folk is all the time.
2: and every time i hear it... And pum 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 pum
1: pum I pum 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 that pum Bump, bump, bump. You know, they hit that... Uh, they, you, you heard that after kick they get on those things? When the entire building would rock. I went to a Polish wedding one night on the south side of Chicago in a place called Hegwish. I mean, it's a Polish name, even, Hegwish. And uh, what a place. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it's on, on a Saturday night, Hegwish was like a cake of yeast. And uh, we used to go to Hegwish all the time. All these guys I know... And because, uh, you know, we just ride around and look at the women. And uh, that's uh, they were unbelievable. And this was Hegwish. Well, you ever hear of the term Hegwish? Never heard of Hegwish? Well, I'm telling you, Hegwish, Hegwish. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just assume everybody knew about Hegwish. Do you know that in, in, in this country, you may not know this. I don't know why I'm doing this thing tonight. I, You know, just sort of... Uh, it's just one of those things. But do you know that in Chicago, in case you're interested in statistics, and some of you are, in Chicago there has consistently been a larger Polish population than in the city of Warsaw in Poland. Did you know that? So, so you know, it's an integral part of the life there. And there's a whole area of Chicago which is really essentially Polish on the south side called Hegwish. And it is really a a separate part of Chicago. It's a whole area there. When you get into Hegwish, you know you're in Hegwish. Well, did you know that there is a city in in the Midwest uh, that is a city without... I'll ask you a question. What is the city within a city? Okay. Hamtramck. Agreed. And what is the city it is in? Detroit. All right. Now, uh, Hamtramck is completely surrounded by Detroit. You understand that? It's like, a, it's like a peach kernel right in the middle of a peach. Hamtramck. And, uh, and Hamtramck has its own radio station a whole bit, see? And it's, it's essentially what population is Hamtramck. Right, right. You can assume it's not English, right? It's not a bunch of Swedes living in Hamtramck. And, and in Hamtramck, like uh, anyone who's, who has any knowledge of Polish life, and that type of life, Polish, uh, even Czechoslovakia, this is a life of tremendous, uh, well, vo- uh, gusto, fantastic gusto and, and vitality. More Pinochle is played in the confines of Hamtramck and uh, Hickwish than quite possibly the entire world combined. These are the original Pinochle plays. And uh, you may not know that Pinochle is the is the national game of the Polish. Did you know that? Well, I'll tell you, if you think that Bobby Fischer can play chess, I learned to play Pinochle under some fantastic masters. For example, there was a great Pinochle quartet when I was all the way through my high school days that would gather in the basement of Bolek Rakowski. Now, that's about as authentic as you can get. Bolas Rakowski, great national natural uh, before we go any further let's do a couple of commercials right hey, let's see uh, oh yeah here we go let's see commercial 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 we did the house of Cham. and
0: uh, oh they have got them on tape fine food passion home three subjects that interest just about everybody three subjects that are featured every week in Sunday newsdays LI magazine three subjects that make up LI's popular living section Yes, every Sunday in beautiful color, L.I. Magazine offers articles on food, fashion, and the home, articles that are geared to the special interests of Long Islanders. This Sunday, you'll find a mouth-watering word and picture guide to cheese from around the world. In fashion, you'll get step-by-step directions on how to give haircuts in your own home. (laughs) And speaking of home... Wait till you see the picture of a home on Long Island painted pink, red, lavender, yellow, peach, and a few other colors. Elsewhere in Sunday Newsday, you will find a special supplement devoted to the Long Island business outlook. This Sunday, CY Newsday is Long Island's own Sunday newspaper.
1: Current issue of TV Guide magazine. As television prepares to broadcast the epic film Lawrence of Arabia, Lowell Thomas provides his personal recollections of the life and times of T.E. Lawrence. In the same issue, sports writer Melvin Derslag zeroes in on the NBA's tiny giants, the small men under six feet two who are surviving in a big man's game. TV Guide's cover story profiles Michael Antkeen of the rookies. A few years ago, he had a chance to chase a puck for the New York Rangers. Instead, he chose to chase bad guys as one of the rookies. Michael Antkin, featured this week in TV Guide, America's biggest selling weekly magazine.
2: TV Guide,
1: on sale everywhere. All right, I'll ask you. You know, that that was an interesting spot listening to that uh, because I happen to know Lowell Thomas and, uh, I wonder how many people are aware of the fact that the phrase Lawrence of Arabia was created by Lowell Thomas. Did you know that? That there was no such thing as, as, as Lawrence of, of Arabia until Lowell Thomas coined the phrase. There was just a, a colonel, a British colonel, operating in, in what was then apparently Arabia uh, during World War One. And uh, he was, you know, he was a, he was a, he was what we would call probably today a guerrilla leader, but he was not called Lawrence of, of Arabia. He was just simply a Colonel T. E. Lawrence of the British Army. And and uh, Lawrence was assigned to him as a correspondent in his early days as a as a newspaper reporter. And he wrote a book called Lawrence of Arabia, and that caught all on all over the world and that's how he got uh, how he, this guy got called that. He would have been totally unknown if it wasn't really uh, from the world at large if it wasn't for uh uh Thomas. I talked to Thomas about him too. So, you know, he says he says he's nothing like Peter O'Toole. <laughs> the first thing he says he's nothing like Peter O'Toole. He's totally different. And uh, he says uh, he says there's a lot of A lot of uh, balderdash around about Lawrence of Arabia. Says very little of it has any relationship to the real one. And who would know better than uh, than uh, than Thomas, who was there? Hey, you know, speaking of uh, speaking of, uh, of, uh, they mentioned here athletes that have made it. uh, uh, Who is now acting? I'll I'll ask you a question, Nick. What actor who is who is uh, does TV stuff and also occasionally a movie is an ex? St. Louis Brown's second baseman. St. Louis Brown's second baseman. Now, there's an interesting question. We'll leave that just sit for a while. <laughs> okay. And by the way, did you ever look up Chuck Connors' record? Uh huh. How many home runs did Chuck Connors hit during his career? I could tell you exactly. Seven during his career, which really was only two years long. Uh, as as a what was his average? Well, reasonable, reasonable. But who is the second baseman? You know, I was going to tell you one more thing before before we leave the subject uh, of of uh, of uh, the Polish and Pinochle. I, one of the great compliments of my career as a, as a kid, as a person, as a walking around guy, was the time that I was invited to become part of this fantastic Pinochle Quartet. Olus Rakowski, Frank Paswinski, now there's a couple of authentic names, right? And Stash Wozniak. Great. I mean, these guys were, to the Pinochle world, of the male kid, age 14 world, they were like Bobby Fischer to chess. These were past masters. These guys remembered every card that had ever been played since their third year. A three-year-old kid. Unbelievable. And I became part of that fantastic quartet that would play Pinochle down in Bolas Rakowski's basement every night while his mother cooked cabbage on the stove right next to us. I mean, you know, uh, stuffed cabbage, you know what that, you know what, the, or what is stuffed cabbage called in Polish? Oh, come on. Well, uh, you don't even deserve to know that. This is one of the great gustatorial treats of the world. Real Polish stuffed
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy Sandwich, but you're the filet
1: fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time